check. Today's episode will be a throwback. We recorded it about a year ago and it was with a clinical executive of Elsevier. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to another episode of RX Radio. I'm your host, Richard Waith, and I have an awesome guest that I've been wanting to have on here for a while, and we finally were able to make it happen. Dr. Christy Welton, welcome to the show. Thanks, Richard. I'm so excited to be here today. So I'm excited to have you on because you, um, we've, we've worked together uh, probably over the last you know seven or eight months on, on a few different things. Um, you work for Elsevier, um, which is one of the largest uh, drug information uh, and most trusted probably drug information providers in the world and um, you're a pharmacist that works for them and I want to dive into like your day-to-day and and get some insight as to what it's like um, working for Elsevier but before we get into all that let's first give a little bit of background um, about yourself so if you can just let the listeners know um, a little bit about yourself. Sure so I am a pharmacist and have been a pharmacist since 2002. Um, From a professional perspective, I went to school in the Midwest. I'm at Butler University, and I was part of the very first required PharmD um, curriculum or class, which makes me sound, it seems like it was just yesterday, but I think it kind of makes me sound like a dinosaur at this point. So when I finished school, um, that was back in the days where There was a shortage of pharmacists and most of us had multiple job offers um, coming out. And so that was a, now I know that was a really, I I appreciate that now more than ever. And so I started, I went to work in a retail chain um, and started working a lot of overtime. Um, I was single, no kids. And so now, knowing where we are in terms of job opportunities, I'm really thankful the way that that went back in 2002. And then from there, kind of moved by chance into the specialty pharmacy arena when I picked up and moved down to Texas, to the Houston, Texas area. Um, once in Houston, um, got involved working by chance again at a retail location that was selling a lot of HIV prescriptions and kind of went down this road of learning more about the disease state, um, treating those patients, different um, options for that population, not only um, with help with payment of medications, but other outside resources that were available and helping to triage that. And that started a kind of long journey to moving over to what was Um, a specialty pharmacy, a major specialty pharmacy chain, Um, and within the same company. But I moved out of retail into that sort of specialty pharmacy world, um, worked with patients of all different specialty um, disease states, so oncology patients, HIV, hepatitis C, um, and then moved again up to Chicago this time to run an outpatient pharmacy for one of the large hospital systems there. And so again, focused predominantly on specialty pharmacy, but also discharge medications um, and all of the other focuses that go along with an outpatient pharmacy. And 
I think that's it. Yeah. Well, that is an extensive <laughs> background. Uh, I think that, uh, which kind of led you to where you're at now. And, um, I, I think, you know, it sounds like you've had so many different experiences that kind of prepared you for kind of where you're at now, but what, what kind of led you and, you know, give us the journey of deciding to, you know, work with Elsevier and, um, kind of how you made your way into drug information. Sure. So, you know, I was happily working for my previous company and they honestly were the, the only company that I had worked for, although since graduating, um, although I will say I had several different, very different roles within that company. And so I was lucky to be able to get quite a bit of experience. And the last thing I didn't mention, I think, with that previous company is that I moved into a clinical support role for their specialty pharmacy sales team. And so that gave me another perspective and just another way to um, this time interact with prescriber offices to drive prescriptions into our specialty pharmacy sites. And so that was really eye-opening and a really great professional move. And so what happened with, with that over time is that I started to get some recruiter calls. And if I'm being totally transparent, I ended up at Elsevier. The start of that was one of those calls that um, the message that I received was intriguing enough to kind of explore further. And that's really how I ended up at Elsevier. Nice, nice. So let's, I mean, first of all, what is your official title, uh, if you can give us that at Elsevier? Sure. sure. So I am, my title is clinical executive, and I work within the Elsevier Clinical Solutions Group. Perfect. Okay. So what is your, just give us like a, you show up to, you show up to work, um, potentially, you know, showing up to a home office, I'm not really sure, or, or in office somewhere. What is the day-to-day like? Like, give us like a, a quick run-through of what a typical day in your shoes would be. Sure. So as a clinical executive, my role is really to work with our internal sales teams um, who call on pharmacists in different sectors, whether it's hospital systems, um, retail pharmacies, PBMs, payers, and other technology companies that interact with drug data and information. And I have, I would call it a blessing, at least from my perspective, to be able to actually office from home. So I don't go into an office day to day. My office is in my house. And part of that is because I I cover and support those teams throughout the Western half of the United States. And so my day to day is different. Um, most of it is interacting with those sales teams and then our customers or prospective customers, whether I am on site from time to time. Last week, I was in two different cities. I was in Minneapolis and then I was in Salt Lake City. So it was a busy week out of the office yeah. and on site. But other weeks, I'm here in my home office and I am answering questions from customers, um, doing WebEx demonstrations and presentations, and really just sort of managing the clinical contact piece for our sales team. So meaning I'm the clinical contact for the pharmacy leadership team at these different customer locations. So can you give us like a, an insight as to without, you know, getting into anything that's confidential, but maybe like give us an example of like what's the last thing you fielded or the last conversation you might have had where you're providing support to either a team member or an account? Sure. So 
several already um, <laughs> here. It's a Monday morning, right? So there's yeah. several. Um, I have answered a question for one of the top five largest hospital systems, their pharmacy um, vice president of pharmacy around where to find specific clinical information within um, one of our reference products. So you know, kind of doing the research behind the scenes and getting that information back to her. Um, I've also been in contact today with two of our, our um, account executives on the PBM and retail pharmacy side, um, kind of coaching or putting strategy together around next steps um, for one pricing solution for the PBM and then one clinical solution that we feel like can really help solve a need that they have at their company. Awesome. Yeah, I think that that's actually, I like the specifics of that. So I, I appreciate you diving into that. And um, what is, sure. what's something that you would say that you really love about the, because obviously this is a very unconventional role um, mm-hmm. that you, that you're in. And, you know, a lot of people talk about how, you know, when they go into some of these roles, they miss patient care and that kinds of things. But there's also a lot of great things that you can come with, you know, being in a role like yours. So what would you say is the most, uh, the thing that you love most about a role like yours? Just really what I described. I love how every day is different and every week is different. And I know that that really depends on, you know, the personality or the skill set of each individual pharmacist. But for me, that keeps it very exciting. Um, I, I like being able to help these companies or these health systems solve problems or find a need that they have around drug information and, and get creative and do some research and be able to solve that kind of going along the opposite side of that, what would you say is like the hardest, the hardest part of, of your role? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? I, I definitely miss the patient care, the direct patient care aspect. Um, I talked to you specifically about pharmacy in Houston, Texas, where I was felt like I was really making a difference in the HIV community. Um, And I still miss that to this day. However, one of the things, in addition to all the positives professionally, um, for me, this role has allowed me to office from home and have a ton of flexibility. And so I didn't mention earlier, but also as a a wife and a mom of two elementary age boys, um, that has really been invaluable and sort of a work-life balance for me that I wouldn't have had in a more traditional practice setting. Yeah. So you, you bring up being uh, being a mom of two boys. And I wanted to randomly bring this up because the last time I saw you, we were at Hims, and you had actually mentioned mm-hmm. it. And, and I love the group and I wanted to give it a plug here, which is the pharmacist moms group. Um, that's I think it's big on Facebook, but I'm pretty sure it's on all social media platforms. But can you tell us like, you know, how you found that, I guess, or what you like about it or why, you know, someone that's a pharmacist mom should should really look into that? Sure. So I don't remember. It's been over a year ago now. If I was searching for a group specifically around pharmacists to to join or if it was because Facebook somehow showed exposed it to me because they seem to know my every move. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, ninjas. <laughs> yeah, but either way, um, and, and that was back when there was just a, two or three, 4,000 members. And I think it's now exploded to well over 10,000 and I haven't looked the exact 
number today. Um, but I joined that group and I told my husband, I think at the time I felt like I found my people. Um, I don't (laughs) interact a ton, but very often because they're pharmacists, they're moms, um, they're from all practice settings. Right. And can just relate to each other, whether it's to vent, whether it's to share professional information, whether it's to ask pharmacy related questions, whether it's to talk about more motherhood and that type of, you know, information and share amongst, you know, a closed group of like-minded people. It's just been really refreshing, um, entertaining. There's some really funny things that are said and shared that only, Pharmacists who have been there done that would understand. Um, and the other thing, and supportive, of course. And for me, it's been a really interesting touch point back into more traditional pharmacy practice and what's going on. Um, so the the rapidly, I don't know, shortage of pharmacists, I'm sorry, shortage of jobs or oversaturation of, of pharmacists. So all of a sudden it's become much harder um, to find different positions and some of those things that are going on. Um, I wasn't as aware of as I am now being a part of that group. So you're, you're almost getting like a pulse as to like kind of what's going on out in the industry, um, in there as well. Exactly. Exactly. Because I think, you know, no matter what our practice setting is, the reality is, especially as moms with, with kids at home and we're, we're in our lane, working hard to do our best in every aspect of our lives. And sometimes we don't have the time to, to really get that pulse. And it's, it's been a really great option for that as well. So I think, I think this is actually a good segue. So I wanted to, um, one of the things I wanted to ask was, you know, what advice you'd have for someone going into, you know, into a field into drug information and, you know, bringing up the point about the, the job market just kind of getting saturated as, you know, more pharmacies are out into the market and looking for different roles. If you know a pharmacist right now that is already practicing, and, and I'll and just so to plant the seed, I'm, I'm going to ask you about students later. But let's say you're talking okay. to a pharmacist um, that is, you know, looking for a career change. They're currently practicing now. Um, they're potentially a mom, you know, so they have responsibilities um, and, and obligations, and they want to change careers to go into drug information. What what would be the best advice that you would give to them? So maybe before I answer that question, I just clarify a little bit because until I started working for Elsevier and connected with this recruiter and then went through the interview process, um, I really thought about drug information in more of the traditional sense. So, you know, the drug information department of a a major hospital system, for example, and what those pharmacists do from a research perspective. And that's also part of drug information. I work right differently because I'm working for a commercial company. Um, and what we do on the drug information side is really, you know, produce reference materials, pricing materials, and a drug database. And so understanding how all of that technology works for our customers. And so for me, if I'm being totally honest, prior to, um, coming to Elsevier and getting to know more, more about the company, I wasn't even really familiar that drug database um, solutions existed. I thought that the retail and specialty pharmacies that I worked for maintained all of that drug information. So, and within their pharmacy dispensing systems, for, for example, um, and the reality is they do not. 
third-party companies do that. And I think when you really think about it, that makes a lot of sense because it's so intricate. There's so much information. Prices are changing. Drug prices are changing every day. Clinical information is constantly being updated. And it's nearly impossible for each individual location to maintain all of that information and it be accurate and keep patients safe. So that's what we do on the drug information side. I don't claim to be the individuals actually writing, you know, and I'm not a clinical editor or anything like that. But I describe that just to maybe plant the seed in these pharmacists that we're talking about. Mind that there are many companies out there doing these types of sort of non-mainstream work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so whether it's a drug database, whether it's a reference solution, whether it's patient education specific to medications, um, there's a lot of, and that I think is driven by technology as it's expanding and expanding. Um, there's There's really a lot of companies available and you just have to kind of broaden your search and your thought process beyond, you know, maybe hospital or retail, which I think a lot of pharmacists are beginning to do. Now, can you break up? So you mentioned that, that you, uh, Elsevier provides different services to, let's say a hospital or, an or like, um, you know, a farm, a retail, big chain pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Can you help listeners maybe understand what some of those packages look like in terms of like, what is the, what is the, the essential product that you would essentially be selling to that particular pharmacy or, um, or, or health system? Sure. So I think the big one that most people, people would most recognize in the space pharmacist is the drug information reference, um, which is for us clinical pharmacology. And that's one that's been around for a long time. Um, that many, many folks have access to through their employers and often in their school, um, in school prior to coming out. And that's evidence-based, you know, drug information, reference, monographs, professional monographs for the most part on every U.S. approved drugs. And that's, that's the main, um, or I think the most popular, but we also then provide a drug database, which was a huge learning curve for me. I had to learn terms and what they meant around things like relational databases and really understanding data models and development and integration of that drug data into different applications and platforms. But anything, any program, whether it's a mobile app, um, a pharmacy dispensing system, a EHR, anytime those, those things or those platforms have medication information in them, it's actually provided by a drug database of some sort, like our gold standard drug database. Yeah. So that, that definitely makes a lot of sense. I mean, a lot of times I remember I didn't really learn about that until after I kind of, you know, graduated school and seeing uh-huh. that there's, there was these different um, companies out there providing. I, I literally thought when I was working for Target, I was like, oh, Target has all this crazy information about medications. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> that's <laughs> what I thought. Yeah. Wow, I wonder who does that in the yeah. corporate office. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's good to know that, um, that, you know, there's these, you know, monsters of companies that are managing this to make sure it's, it's all accurate and up to date. 
Now, you mentioned a learning curve and kind of learning about all these different data um, data sets and, and how to manage these things. Is there resources that you kind of had to like, was it like randomly searching Google? Were there, you know, resources internally that, you know, was made available? Um, how was that learning curve process to get to, you know, a good point where you were able to know, know the products really well? So I would say, you know, our other more referential products was a much faster learning curve, whether it's in, in patient education products as well, right? So video, text, et cetera. Um, the database, we have some amazing internal for the most part, pharmacists who have worked with the drug data and in that space for a long time. Um, and they really were able to mentor me, but I, I'm still learning when it comes to the, that side of the house. It's, it's like peeling back an onion. That's certainly a cliche, but that's really how this is. As you learn each layer of information, there's always something else. That's because it's just so integral or in a, you know, integrated and, and uh, complicated, mm -hmm. but the good news is mentors and asking questions and doing some research, you know, on my own, um, which usually started with Google, but internally, <laughs> I mean, we have the experts in house. Yeah. I never, I don't think I'll ever claim to be a true expert on drug databases, but I certainly know more five years later than I did at the start. I bet. I bet. I'm sure. Now you mentioned that you have a lot of exposure to, I'm going to come back to this, to like the advice, um, for students later to, you know, if they wanted okay. to follow this career, but, um, I just want to cover something that I didn't want to miss. You mentioned that you have a lot of exposure to sales, um, like working with the sales team. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've been noticing, um, on this side of the industry is that pharmacists are actually would make for really good salespeople. And not to say that they're, you know, have all the, all the skills that a salesman does, but that we have a lot of different not like knowledge that we can are exposed to mm -hmm. in practice and in school and in learning and, and, and being a part of all these different health teams that, you know, it actually might make a lot of sense to start kind of grooming pharmacists to kind of sell um, a lot of these clinical services and products. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I think you're spot on. Um, and honestly, I, as a clinical executive, am a part of the Elsevier Clinical Solutions Sales Team. I'm not a sales rep. I partner with them, um, but that is my primary role. And, you know, you're just able to have a different conversation. So if a sales executive, and we have extremely skilled um, sales, sales execs on the team. I mean, they are, they're great at what they do. They're professional. They've been doing it a long time. But when they go in and, and talk to pharmacy leadership or clinical leadership, they can't talk, you know, on the clinical level. And so that is why really Elsevier moved towards having me have, I'm a part of a team where there's physicians, nurses, and two pharmacists. Um, and we're able to go in with them and talk not only clinically with those, those pharmacists or other clinicians, but also We've been there, right? We've been where they are. Um, we really understand their needs. And I think it helps the, the potential sale be more effective. But I think really what it does is it puts our customers at ease. And it also allows us to fit the right solutions to the right customer. Meaning we don't want to just sell someone something to sell it to them. We want to sell it to them if it 
solves problems for them. It fits their needs. It helps their patients. It help their, helps their clinicians, right? And it's the right fit. And that's something that I think our clinical team really, really helps and really does a good job of. It sounds like you're you're, it's amazing for support, like for, for supporting and making sure the conversations are fruitful, um, you know, beyond, uh, beyond just the, the regular conversations of, of, of building a relationship to get an account or, or yeah, figuring absolutely. out the sales. So. And we kind of joke, I mean, the two pharmacists, my, I would call him my partner. He covers the East coast. I cover the West coast and I joke, we're pharmacists. We're pretty particular, and most of our pharmacy customers are the exact same way. So we always joke with the sales guys or the execs that if they go in and try to talk about medications and drug information and they get the details wrong, it's not going to go over very well with most pharmacists that they see. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely um, uh, I definitely can see, uh, you know, like some problems kind of coming up uh, in terms of, you know, potentially giving out the wrong information. I mean, you even look at some of the rules that even in pharma has where, you know, the pharma reps, even though they're an expert in one particular drug, they can't really talk about other things um, clinically just because they're, because of that potential. So, um, so so I can definitely see that. All right. So let's, let's jump back to, um, I want to get your general advice for a student and maybe even a pharmacist too. Like what, how, what can they do in their careers to start gearing them towards a career towards drug information or, or a company like Elsevier's? So from a, from an educational standpoint or from a professional? I think both. I think, I think both is, both will be helpful. Like, you know, the, the, from an education, maybe starting for, for students in school, and then, you know, maybe there's there's a student that's graduating now um, that, you know, is either going to be going into a residency or into the community and but kind of has this on the radar. So I think for pharmacists, the first step is just to really understand that there are there are, I'm sorry, companies like Elsevier out there and um, identifying who they are and maybe it's what reference products online that are available to you, what apps are now available, um, and kind of researching the company behind those products. Because I think you're going to find, if you start to do that, a lot of different types of job opportunities. You know, in-house at our side for clinical pharmacology and the database and others, we have a very robust clinical editorial team. They are all PharmDs. They, while we have the same credentials in terms of at least education, they are board certified in their areas of expertise and they are much smarter than I am, like a lot of your listeners would be as well. (laughs) Um, And so we just really employ a lot of pharmacists and we're one company. And so I think understanding who those companies are and what they do and kind of doing just a quick search of, you know, job openings on their sites, as well as you know, maybe then cross-referencing LinkedIn and seeing who you might know. I mean, pharmacy is still a small, small world, right? So using social media tools like LinkedIn and and others, maybe pharmacist moms groups for the women that are out there that it applies to, to, who do I know that works in that space Mm -hmm. that I can network with, network with. And then from an educational perspective, you know, I haven't, 
had a lot of involvement with current curriculum at the pharmacy schools. And I think graduating in 2002 makes me a little bit dated there. But I do, what I do know is that technology is moving very fast. And there are all kinds of small companies or startup companies who are working to change the really the face of, of pharmacy practice, right, and healthcare. Um, and if they're not doing research on that, I would imagine that the students are um, and are connected. And I don't know that the schools are exposing them to that side of the business or not, but I would I would look really closely there and see if I can't find a company, small or big, that sort of fits what I find interesting and start to make connections. I think one thing that hasn't changed is networking, right? And finding other clinicians who do what you think you might want to do. Um, I think how we network has changed with social media, which is awesome. But I think that's a big and important piece. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they join that group, they're already going to be able to find you. So on there, <laughs> so that's a solid start <laughs> for the pharmacist moms group. Um, cool. So I have uh, I have two more questions for you here to wrap up. So the first one's okay. going to be, uh, what is the what most excites you about the future of? We can we can do either it be kind of general like the future of pharmacy, or if you want to throw in something specific around um, something that excites you about the future of drug information. So I think. If we talk specifically around drug information, and one thing I didn't talk about is clinical decision support or the, you know, previously called the DUR screen or drug utilization review. Part of what we do with our database is that capability um, to run those screens. And I think what's exciting coming very quickly and, and already here in some circles is the pharmacogenomic aspect of that. So, really starting to run clinical decision support and really starting to look at patients from their genomic profile and how that may be affecting the medications that they're taking and then sort of weaving in that whole, you know, precision, individualized medicine aspect as well. Yeah. And we have the information, right? We Not meaning we at Elsevier, but just sort of as an industry, we have the information and technology, we here and other companies as well are using AI and, and things to really accelerate what we can do, what we can do to screen um, patients for medications and then healthcare in general to get it much more specific to that actual patient down to their genomic profile. And I think that will, I think we're on the, the edge of really changing the face of what most clinicians do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I can definitely see that um, coming and obviously also if you're being a leader of that. So that's that's pretty exciting uh, to look to look kind of forward to. So um, last, last question. And you know what's funny about this question I'm about to ask you? We were at a dinner once um, at a, I think it was an Elsevier meeting, um, a, a sales meeting, and we had these kind of icebreaker conversations. And I think one of them we talked about, you know, a famous person who you take to dinner. And I think it was actually, um, it might have been from there that I started doing this on the podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you again, just in case. But what, who would you take to dinner that you have to, one one person that has to be famous, like they have to have a Wikipedia page and they have to be alive. Who would that, <laughs> who would that person be that you would want to take to dinner? 
I remember the restaurant where we where we did this, and I know I remember my answer, and I think it would still be the same. Do you remember my answer? I don't. I really don't. <laughs> so it was. I do. So it was Michelle Obama. Oh yes, that's right. Okay, I think I remember you saying yeah. that now. Awesome. And why? Why not? No, <laughs> um, I just think she has a really. And interestingly enough, I just saw her last week on her book tour when it came through town, which is a really great experience. But she has such an interesting history, um, where she came from, being part of the first, you know, all the way through being part of the first African-American family in the White House. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is very polished, but yet very relatable and real. And her policies while she was first lady or her um, platforms, I should say, really resonate with me when you think about supporting our children so that we reverse these epidemics around childhood obesity and diabetes and all these chronic diseases that are blowing up, right? And adults, we have to mm-hmm. stop it with our kids. And so to get healthier foods and food in schools, to get kids moving um, and that platform really resonates with me as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Christy, thank you so much for being on the show. And um, if anyone wants to connect with you uh, out after this, um, after this episode, and kind of follow up with anything, what would be the best way that they could contact you? You could give us a LinkedIn or an email up to you. Sure. LinkedIn um, is probably the best spot. You can, of course, find me on uh, Facebook as well, like you mentioned, if you're part of that group. But um, I think LinkedIn would be the best. And I love to, I always love to network. I was just talking about it and I continue to do that now more than ever. Awesome. So I'll definitely make sure to put that link to your LinkedIn in the show notes. Chrissy, thank you so much for being on. Really appreciate you. Thank you. It's great to be on. First of all, thank you so much uh, for being a listener, for being a subscriber and taking in all the content that we're putting out. And, uh, you know, if you haven't subscribed yet, definitely make sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on any of your favorite social media platforms, uh, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, We're on all those. And until next time, see you over the counter.